The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. It's time for the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton. Joining us to talk the trade today, Darren Fessler, Lakefront Futures. And Darren, as we take a look here, kind of a somewhat slower day in the grain trade after a wild week of trading, but still a lot of volatility seen over on that livestock side as well, spilling over into financials and equities. What do you see kind of here as we round out the week's trade? Yeah, I mean, this week in general had been very, very wild. Uh, in numerous markets, uh, but when it's been wild and we've had increased volatility, there has been tremendous opportunities uh, from a hedge side, whether you're getting getting long some hedges, getting out of those hedges, getting back hedges. Um, it, it's all because of what's going to, you know, what's taking place here with some of these trade talks and negotiations, and, and it, it's just that. None of this has been implemented Yet and the way that the beans have reacted, following coming into Wednesday morning, beans were down over 50. Beans opened up lower last night, sharply lower, only to rally back Wednesday's trade and into Friday's trade. Here, uh, they they had a really positive reaction to some of these headlines. The fact is, China still needs the United States, and they know it. We're still moving beans on our daily flash sales. They're still buying these unknowns, or we're assuming these unknown sales are China because they're quite large orders. Brazil in itself can't themselves can't supply all the beans to China. They're still going to have to have some beans for themselves domestically. Whether whether the U.S. you know furthers these tariff talks or whether China further you know retaliates more. They're still going to have to buy their beans. There's 1.4 billion people nearly in China that are still going to eat. So, I mean, at the end of the day, Argentina had, is coming off a bad crop. Brazil is coming off a record crop. U.S. has plenty of supply from last year. Whether they're coming from Brazil, whether they're coming from the United States, China's getting our beans somehow. Aside from politics, Darren, here on the grain side, weather really starting to become an important factor, and North American weather now the big focus. We're too wet in the eastern Corn Belt from the Ohio River Valley down to the Mississippi Delta. We're too dry in the Wheat Belt. And now, like you and I, before we started the recording, we're talking about in the Dakotas, we've got still got very cold ground temperatures for that spring wheat. How is this weighing on traders' minds right now? Oh, it's it, it definitely putting some underlying support in these markets, I, I think in corn, I think in beans, I, I definitely think in this wheat crop, because you're seeing uh, quite a bit of different dynamics in the wheat. Um, even though we do have a lot of supply there, the Kansas wheat conditions are real terrible. We're talking 10% good, excellent. Uh, and this cold that's coming in over the uh, overnight here into tomorrow morning, the way I'm looking at it, it's going to have some impacts, probably damage whatsoever, whatever is left out there in the Kansas wheat crop. And then you're talking some, you know, 30s, and even if you get in 30s in the South Dakota for soil temperatures, and you get to North Dakota, and you're talking sub-20 degree soil temperatures. So the stuff's like a rock. The, the guys out there in, in parts of the Dakotas are not going to be turning any wheels anytime soon. And uh, we're just we're lacking tremendous heat at this time of the year. So there is going to be some underlying support here. There's no question about that. And I think that regardless of what's going on with these uh, trade talks and these negotiations, there's still going to be underlying support here, uh, I think, for the remainder of April. 
Now, not too long ago, we saw USDA come out and really kind of shake things up, seeing more soybean acres outpace corn for the first time since the late 80s, early 90s in some instances. And now we've got USDA supply and demand coming out to kind of back up these acreage reports. What do you see coming out of that next week? Yeah, next week that's going to come out April 10th, um, and it's going to reflect some of those acres numbers. At the end of the day, we're still going to plant, you know, let's just say 89 million. That's the least amount of beans I see coming. I think in time, when we get to those summer revisions on those acres, I think beans are going to be higher than where they currently are last week. And so I think that that in itself, it you know, is going to be the the, the heavy weight on the shoulder uh, shoulders of of this bean market. Now the, the tariffs and all that talk, it, it's it's nice headline sell-offs, but it's at the simple uh, fact is we're going to have at least 400, 450 plus carryout that could be expected without a weather scare, and that in itself is going to pull these beans lower. Uh, if we're talking 500 plus care, 500 million bushel carryouts, there's no way, in my opinion, some of these beans are going to be staying up at these levels. It gives producers another opportunity to get some hedges in place. And then that's the next question is, it, it comes back to risk management on your operation, how you take a look at that. Just generally, with the volatility we've seen in these grains, is a time for, especially before we get in where we're still kind of cool, still can't get a wheel turning, is this the time that guys really need to be focused and making decisions? Yeah, I think that anytime's a good time to make some risk management decisions. We're heading into a year that's probably a little bit different than what we've seen in the last previous years. We have corn acres down at 88 million. To me, with given our current exports, if they remain consistent, we really can't afford to have too big of a hiccup this year come weather. Um, the 88 million figure is a bullish figure on corn, but I don't want to take away the fact there's still a lot of old crop bushels still need to find new homes here before the harvest. And if you get some rallies up toward these contract highs on the beast contract, I think there's a lot of bushels that are going to be moving. Uh, and so keep that in mind. I mean, I would, at this point in time, take a look at where you have to be from a cash standpoint. Take a look at, okay, get some targets in place here. If we get to certain levels, just nickel and dime is higher. Don't try to top that market. I, I, I've seen it too many times where guys try to top a market, and they end up trying to, you know, it's, it doesn't work out in the end like they assume it would. So just scaling into some sales here, scaling into some hedges, you're going to be just fine this year. In case we do have a weather hiccup, fine, we get we can scale into more. That's Darren Fessler, Lakefront Futures, joining us for the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Still discussing grains and risk management strategies right now, but we've still got the jobs report. Livestock and distant overall frustrated feeling still in the market to come up next. So make sure you can listen in here to the Rural Radio Network and the Fontenelle Final Bell. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton. Joining us today, Darren Fessler, Lakefront Futures. And Darren, in our last segment, we focused a lot on grains, the big weather factors, as well as Trump trade and tariffs between him and China, and just some of the thought that needs to be take a step back, analyze the situation, and go forward. Now, on the red today, the one that's been pretty volatile this week is the cattle and the hog futures, um, and they just continue to trade that way to day with June live cattle touch and limit down, still triple digit losses across the board. What are you seeing here over here on the livestock trade? Yeah, the livestock trade, I mean, as far as starting with the hogs, uh, they have been beat up for 
uh, way too long here. I mean, they're extremely oversold. And this is all in relation to what's going on with China. I, I think that has a lot to do with it. Um, but you're also going in the, with the cattle. You're also, today was an option expiration for the, the April fats, which it's not surprising that you, you have these type of trends lower that you just start slamming the board into those option expirations. I think that's exactly what had happened here. And not to mention, you probably added some fuel to the fire with the China, the China talk. But as far as I'm concerned, cattle are tremendously beat up, and but you're still paying a premium to the cash. Now, cash is backed off just a little bit. I mean, that's just due to the, the, the futures backing off here. But, you know, I'm not saying last year is going to be an implication of what's going on here, you know, start of next week when really the April options come off and now we're just trading April futures. But if, if producers think back last year, when those April options came off the board, April just really ran up until the futures expiration last year. Hopefully that is the case this time around. I think that in general, the, these, these trade talks, it's having implications across all the whole spectrum. I think that cool heads will prevail. I'm hard pressed to why these things would ever get enacted. So, Going forward, I still think there's a good demand for this cattle. I still think there's good demand for livestock in general. I just don't want to get any more bearish down here at these levels. I think these things are going to snap back. They snapped back pretty hard yesterday. Granted, they were down pretty hard again today. Again, it does not change my outlook here. I'm not getting any more bearish this livestock down at these levels. And then as we take a look there, we've got June starting to near that sub-a-dollar market. Of course, that, for a lot of guys, is a tipping point there when we start to see back in the nine, you know, 90 cent range on cattle can definitely get some guys up and going. Now, with cash cattle, we saw this kind of a slow trade emerge this week. We even seeing some cattle trade today. Are, we, are the feeders just kind of frustrated at this point? They're going to hold and see what happens? In my opinion, there is. I mean, from a technical standpoint... You've seen a big sell-off on Wednesday. Now, the last couple of days, you've really, on, on some of these front-month feeders, you've, you've been able to get it back above the nine-day and five-day moving averages and able to hold it on, on support lows. I, I really think, even on the feeder side, uh, you don't want to get any more bearish down here. I mean, if you have hedges in place, keep them on. But I would really start thinking about how, how do I protect my hedge if, my, if I'm well into the money. I'd probably be looking at starting to buy some calls just to protect my hedge on some of these cattle or hogs if you've been hedged here. And then again, another factor they, that I've, other analysts have talked about today, the jobs report coming out somewhat bearish towards the beef, but definitely bearish towards the indexes and financial products. What did you see from that? Yeah, I mean, we came in with about 103000 It's a little disappointing. You're seeing a big sell-off in the S&Ps here. Even crude oil is having, having a difficult day. It, 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 it comes back to there's just a lot of people that are nervous about what's going to take place. Um, the volatility is there. There's no question about it. But we have to think over the longer term here from a producer standpoint, we, it, I still think it's going to come down to the supply and demand, and whether it's the meats or whether it's the grains. There's still good demand in the worldwide scale of these things. If you look at the global carryouts, for the grains, they're all starting to dwindle a little bit. It's domestically where we just have a lot of supply. So, in a nutshell, we still have to get 
we have to get the planners rolling first. I don't know when that's going to happen. We have not began to price what U.S. weather is. I think now that the the acreage pitcher is out of the way, meteorologists, the trade is really starting to focus more on that pitcher. But until we really start, you know, gaining some steam with when the planters are rolling and how this crop is starting to get off here, there's still going to be some underlying support, especially in corn due to the acres. Uh, and I still think there's a lot of downside risk yet to become, uh, you know, if these tariffs were to get even, you know, say we get another retaliation from China or we, you know, we push this planting date further off and we're pushing more bean acres, that's a very real possibility, which is more bearish beans. So I still think guys at these levels still should really start considering some hedging if they haven't done so already. That's Darren Fessler, Lakefront Futures, joining the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network today. And, Darren, as we've discussed today, there's a lot of activity, a lot of volatility in the markets, but we're at some price points. Guys need to be active. They need to be aware, see what's going on, and maybe make some moves on it. Keep listening to the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.